There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning in to the Thursday edition of the podcast. We certainly welcome each of you that are listening. Thank you for our homeschoolers. And thank you for those uh, listening to this chapel services, family devotions. And then for those of you listening on your commutes today, those of you just listening at home, how we thank the Lord for each and every one of you. Some of you will listen to this on Thursday, some later on down the road. We certainly appreciate anyone that tunes in and listens. On an average day, uh, I guess about a week into the podcast, once it's been posted for about a week, uh, we have about 17 different states where people download the podcast. Some of our uh, more high-numbered podcasts, including testimonies of different people, things like that. We've had as many as 40 different states and several countries where folks have uh, downloaded the podcast and listened, and we just rejoice in that. We thank God for that. Thank God for the privilege we have to do this podcast. We had some folks uh, send us a little bit of money to help pay for the podcast the other day. We certainly are thankful for that, what a blessing that was to us. And so we want to continue the podcast in Job 15. And, of course, Eliphaz is, is speaking here. And one thing about Eliphaz, and he's going to speak some things that are great truths. And I'm going to go a little bit slower today, back off. I thought maybe I'd do this in two sections, but it's probably three or four parts now, because it's just some things I'm really trying to sort out with this, still study and looking at it. But the one thing I see is, as he begins to speak, is as he turns a corner about verse 19, and he turns a corner, begins to speak of things which are to come. He himself begins to speak in prophecy. And again, it's that unusual thing. These men withstand Job, and they speak wrongfully the thing. But this is what God said. He said they speak wrongly the thing concerning Job. And that's what I found interesting. So there were things they must have spoke right. There were things that they did say that absolutely were correct. But what they did wrong is the things they spake concerning Job. And when they spake concerning Job, they made accusation against him of self-righteousness and all of those things. But what the Lord said was this in Job 42 and verse 8. He said, unless I deal with you after your folly and that you have not spoken of me, the thing which is right, like my servant Job. And so, again, they're speaking of the Lord. They're not rightfully identifying God, the things of God. But there are things they spoke truth in, just not concerning the Lord. They didn't understand. And the reason, again, I believe that is because Job was speaking as a prophet of God. They did not see that. But then they themselves also speak, and they speak truth, but it's not concerning Jesus Christ. And we'll get to that tomorrow, Lord willing. We'll begin to look at some of that a little bit more. And we see that in verse 9, he asked this question. This is when we left off yesterday. What knowest thou that we know not? What understandest thou which is not in us? And then he asked in verse 10, With us are both the gray-headed and very aged men much elder than thy father. And so he's asking Job why he has knowledge that they don't have, why there's things. They have the gray heads. They have the elders. And let me just give an admonition to you younger folks especially. That's the men you learn from. 
Now, listen, you know, I don't have a father that could teach me things like carpentry and, and metal crafting, things like that. I don't have those abilities. I don't have those gifts. My gift is buying and selling stuff. That's what I can do best. I know the value of things, and I can go in and, uh, and look at things and realize that these are undervalued and try to find a value for them and resell them. That's just something that my wife and I have done ever since we've been married. But I don't have gifts to build. I don't have gifts of carpentry. I don't have gifts of fabrication. And there are men that have those gifts, and many of them were taught of their fathers. Some are self-learned, but some of them had grandfathers that taught them. Uh, we go to the auction, and I see uh, the older men that have these tools, and they have an assortment of tools, well-used, well-worn. They knew how to use them. Every once in a while, even in an Amish auction, a midnight auction, with hundreds of men there, I've seen the auctioneer hold up something and somebody, and he'll say, now what is this for, men? And nobody have any idea what it's for. It's just a unique tool that probably had one purpose, and it was really for one device, and that device no longer exists. The tool might be 100 years old, and nobody has a clue what it is. And yet those older men are the ones that they ask, the older men, while they have the years of knowledge. Now, let's put that in the spiritual aspect. Let's make that a spiritual thing. Where do you go for advice? Do you go to your peers or you go to older men? Who do you seek spiritual counsel from? You go to your buddies and you go to the older men. Now, thank God that God has put me amongst some senior saints. God has put me in my life among great men of God, older men, gray-headed men, men that have loved God, men that have served God, men that have given their life to ministry. They've seen things. They've experienced things. I've had the privilege to sit under the ministry of uh, former World War II veterans. I've had the privilege to sit under the ministry of Korean War, Vietnam veterans, men that fought, men that were tough, men that were regarded highly in the military and their personal lives, personal character, but they're also great men of God. What does it mean to be a great man of God? Well, to stay faithful and to tell the truth all these years, not waver on the word of God. That's what a great man of God does. Great man of God doesn't waver in the truth, and he also doesn't waver in his dress standards. He doesn't waver in his way of living. And one thing those old men of God taught me was separation. Another thing they taught me uh, was clean living, holy living, sanctified living, and consecrated living. That's what some of those senior saints taught me. And so much of what I've learned has been around those older men. And to be honest with you, they haven't taught me a lot of doctrine a lot of doctrine I've learned sitting in the house of God, sitting under a pastor, sitting under uh, the ministry that God has put us under. That's where I learned doctrine. And then, of course, in our own study time. But that we learn at those men's feet. So that's what he's asking. He said, do you have understanding that it's not with us? And I, mean, I have the same aged men you do. Yes, Job had an understanding they did not have. That's just the reality. Because he had been with God. God had revealed these things. God had spake through Job. And that is for today as well. There's a day when men today, they don't understand that unction of God, that God can come upon a man and the Holy Ghost can minister through him, speaking of Jesus Christ and speaking that thing which is right concerning Scripture. And that man can speak and it'll prick your heart. And that man will speak and it'll cut you. That man will speak, and as many, many sinners, and even some Christians have said over the years, it says, it's like he knew exactly what I was doing. I heard a lost man years ago, and it's probably the first time I ever heard somebody say something like that, but he said, man, that preacher must have been following me around, and he was serious as he could be, because that's the unction that God gives. There are men that don't believe that today. I've had men in ministry deny that to my face. 
They say that doesn't exist today, but it's always existed with God. And that's part of what the relationship that a man has with God. That's what Job's relationship. Eliphaz, the Temanite, cannot see that. He does not have that relationship. Yes, he has the aged men. Yes, he has his fathers. He has all the things he's been taught, but he does not have that understanding that Job has. Are the consolations of God small with thee? Is there any secret thing with thee? Because he misunderstands, he can't see that consolation. Because he misunderstands, he cannot see that secret thing with God. And I've been in services where the power of God fell. The unction of God came upon that man, and he discerned things through preaching that needed to be discerned. I myself either was crushed by the preaching or rejoiced in the preaching. And I've heard people walk out of their service and go, I didn't get a thing out of that. There was nothing spiritual about that. I remember years ago, an old man of God, I sat there and wept through the service. I got copies of the CDs of the service and gave them to people and told them, you got to listen to this. And I, I had preachers tell me they were listening at home and tears running down their face and the power of God was in it. And again, I heard people leaving that service going, I didn't get a thing out of that. All he did was ramble. All he did, they completely missed the message that God was trying to give. And that's the case here, I believe. And he says, why doth thine heart carry thee away? And what do thy eyes wink at? His heart has not carried him away. He's walking with God. His heart hasn't carried him away. He has a relationship with God. This isn't some deceitful heart. This is a man that's upright. This is a perfect man before God. And therefore, he stands before God in uprightness, and God is ministering through him. But Eli Fias cannot see that. Job's friends cannot see that. And I've been in ministry long enough to know my old friends, especially, they couldn't see it. They say, well, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that in Scripture. you got to prove that from the Bible. Well, you realize when the Holy Ghost is speaking, he's already proven it from the Bible. The problem is they want chapter and verse, and then if they can compile more chapters and verses than what I have, then they would defeat me in my, in my understanding. And so it's like a, it's a mountain of chapters and verses, and here a little, there a little, they grasp at straws, and they make a big molehill and uh, call the mountain and say, well, this is the verse that proves that you're wrong. And that's not the way God operates. God doesn't use the Word of God for contention. He used the Word of God to show us his dear son, Jesus Christ. And God has always used that. And God has used Job to reveal his dear son, Jesus Christ. And Eli fast can't see that, so he contends with him. My mind is going 100 miles an hour. People over the years that have withstood me in these things and people over the years that have just challenged me about the word of God, about the things I've preached. And listen, I realize I'm a nobody. Thank God I'm a nobody, but I still know Jesus Christ. And if I see him in scripture, I'm going to preach him in scripture. And I hope you would preach him in scripture. So his heart's not carried him away. His eye hasn't winked at this. And then he says, that thou turnest thy spirit against God and lettest such words go out of thy mouth. Job is prophesying of Jesus Christ. How dare he accuse him of letting these words go out of his mouth? And again, though, that hasn't changed. Men have not changed today. Uh, men that do not see Jesus Christ say the same things. Why would you say those things? Been accused of being a heretic. And I know many people listen to this podcast, many preachers that listen. You've been accused of being a heretic. That's a heresy. You preach the doctrine of repentance today, they'll call you a heretic. You preach the faith of Jesus Christ, they'll call you a heretic. And you preach the doctrine of the soul of Jesus Christ, they'll call you a heretic. You preach the Psalms and say that this is Jesus Christ and it's not in their, their Wagner's Guide to the Bible or their Funkin' Wagner Encyclopedia, they'll say, well, that's heresy. 
Nobody else writes about that, yet you see Jesus Christ, you preach Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. Thank God for his goodness. Thank God for the revelation of his son. He says, what is man that he should be clean? And he was just born of a woman that he should be righteous. Now, here's where it begins to change gears a little bit. I'm going to slow down a little bit here because it begins to change gears into what we're going to talk about tomorrow on the podcast. But he does make a good statement. And when he says, what is man that he should be clean? And he was just born of a woman that he should be righteous. Yet that's the prophecy Job has spoken of. Jesus Christ made of a woman, made under the law. And yet he was righteous. He was the son of God. He was the lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. Verse 15, behold, he putteth no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. And that is true. The heavens are not clean ever since Lucifer, that anointed cherub, ever since he sinned in heavens, the heavens were not clean until Jesus Christ purged the heavens with his own blood. And Jesus Christ did purge them, according to Scripture, purged all things with his blood. All things have now been made clean through Jesus Christ, and now we thank the Lord for that. How much more abominable and filthy is man, which drinketh iniquity like water. And this is an interesting statement. I looked at this, and I had realized that, that he really is going full change here. He's completely changing his dialogue. He's made accusation of Job. He's denied, really, the prophecy that Job has given. But now he is going to speak, and he's going to speak the thing which is right, because he's going to begin to speak about, and we talk about in verse 20, the wicked man. He's going to speak about him, and that wicked man is going to go down through the chapter and deal with him. But he says, how much more abominable and filthy is man? What's that? Then the heavens that are not clean in the sight of God, which drinketh iniquity, like water. So he is speaking of a man that drinketh iniquity like water. Not all men, and, and he used the word man there, which I know people would say, well, that's translated to mankind, or that's mankind there. But not all men drink iniquity like water. And yet, yes, men have iniquities. God made a way for them to find forgiveness of sins because of their great iniquity. But not all men live in iniquity. Not all men drink iniquity like water. He says, I will show thee, hear me, and that which I have seen, I will declare, which wise men have told from their fathers and have not hid it. And then he says, unto whom alone the earth was given and no stranger passed among them. So he is going to speak of something that's been passed down to him. The ancients have, have spoken this. Those old men have spoken this. The wise men have told their fathers, not hid it, he said, unto whom alone the earth was given, and no stranger passed among them. So he is speaking of those that were before. And he's speaking that because there are things they passed down. There were knowledge. I would say even common knowledge, but today they're not common knowledge because men don't believe the Bible. And if they believe the Word of God, it become common knowledge, become a common understanding, become an easy understanding if they could just believe the Word of God. Now, tomorrow, with the Lord's help, we're going to start in verse 20 and talk about the wicked man. And as we look at the wicked man, we'll look at some of his characteristics. But the reason I say the man is because the wicked man, the word the signifies this is an individual. This is not all men. This is not all iniquitous men. This is the wicked man. And so pray for us. Tomorrow in the podcast, we'll be recording about the wicked man. And then uh, over the weekend, I want to try to look a little bit more at Job and try to bring some things out that God has begun to show us, the little bit of, uh, little bit of blossoms on the end of those vines, and we want to trace them back and find what God has for us. So have a great day, and we'll be back, Lord willing, tomorrow on the podcast. 
There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manassa Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all at night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing For the prodigal child has come home And the saints all with gladness are singing The glorious song of the redeemed